is a complicated profession. Why don't you fuck off to that cunt bitch? She was fucking making eyes at me. She'd have sucked me in five seconds. She'd have blown me in five seconds. She's not your friend. Don't you agree? You should just fucking smile and blow me. Because I deserve it. Uh, Live from Cool Boys Center. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the Cool Boys. Shut the young boy. So cool. See if I give a fuck. So cool. So cool. I see cool boys. Greetings, cool boy nation. And welcome to a special space spoilery (gasps) intergalactic. Nope, it's all one galaxy. Installment of the Cosmos Cool Boys Planetary Podcast, more Star Wars edition. Yes. Not intergalactic, just interstellar. What? All in one galaxy called the Star Wars Galaxy. What? You know what they say? I say in space, no one can hear you cream. You're all over the map with references here. What? I'm Finnick Shand Felk. And I'm Berg Ballard. Uh, <laughs> you kind of are a Berg. Because it's, it's all like, you know, you're round in the belly. Yeah, but also uh, Berg is Clancy Brown's character in episode six. So. Wait, I thought Bergs were those fucking... Uh, no, you're thinking of a Blurg. Oh, how dare I confuse Blurgs and Bergs. Don't forget that there's also, there's a Mithril, and that's played by Horatio Sands in the very first episode of Mandalorian. And there's Mythosaurs. An ancient beast that becomes the emblem of the Mandalorian on their helmets. This episode discuss the Mandalorian season one. So we finally don't do cool boy updates about my sex capades. Sex capades. We'll have a good time. Sex capades. Leave your worries behind. Sex capades. Well, you could be mine. Sex a sexcapade. <laughs> we get to that Mandalorian and all the fabulous spoilers he has given us. This is the way. I don't know what Janet Jackson had anything to do with uh, the Mandalorian. I didn't know that was Janet Jackson because I'm not familiar with Janet Jackson's work. She's dead, right? No, no, she's still alive. Her brother's dead. Thinking of someone else. <laughs> yeah. I have never met a Mandalorian. You don't care. I've only read the story. It's time for spoilers. Your name will be legendary. Oh, 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 
All right, Felk. It's time for us to do our quick cool boy rating of past films in the franchise. We're not going to do that. We just did that. We're not just going to rate these past films. We're going to rate the Mandalorians in these past films. None of those films have had Mandalorians in them. Boba Fett and Jango Fett weren't actually Mandalorians. They just stole I know they the just armor. stole the suit. <laughs> so, so there's <laughs> no Mandalorians in any Star Wars film that I'm aware of. All right. Moving on to our quick cool boy rating of the Mandalorian season one. <laughs> I'm going to give it two and a half boys. Fell two and a half yeah. boys? I have to give this series... Try four and a half or five? No, it, there's an asterisk there. Okay, and I'm going to get into it a little bit later, but I've already created something I like to call the Machete Mandalorian. And if I give it the full season as they released it, I give it like a 3.5 out of five boys. I loved it in yeah. a lot of ways, but I thought that episodes uh, five and six were like the fat that could be trimmed off and make it amazing. So the Machete version of the Mandalorian is... One, two, three, four, seven, eight. This is gibberish. And even the way four ends, you just leave the planet of Sorgon. And, you know, Mandalorian gets into space, gets a message from Grief Cargan or Grief Karga, hops right back around, turns right back into the old Sorgon planet, picks up. Fucking Cara Dune and heads right into battle. So you don't have any of that bullshit. Yeah, I agree that five sucks. I like six, though. I like six and I like five, but I found them to be the fat. And um, I, I really did like the show, though. 3.5 out of five boys. Uh, it has it, it has some weaknesses. It has some, you know, obvious apparent weaknesses. Um, it has some structural issues uh, just because of their the the total running time of an episode it was feels a, a little short to me. It, th- th- there there is no such thing as a thirty five to forty minute TV show. Now I know I know that in modern TV episodes without uh, without commercials, you know an hour show it's forty five minutes. A lot of these hit about forty five minutes. The ones that were sub forty, like thirty seven minutes, it was a weird length, and it, it didn't quite. Uh, feel feel right with only eight episodes to to be so short and to have so many filler scenes there was a lot of shot reverse shot people talking there was a lot of just easy to film stuff that wasn't quite at uh the quality that i i expected uh production some of that easy to film type stuff we can get into later it'll be when we discuss uh the sets and and the way they designed everything yeah but uh some of that's just because yeah you hit on it right there boom cheap Easy. Did not it's what they needed to do. Feel as expensive you know? as I thought it was going to. Yeah, and, and when you know about like the actual behind the scenes of the show and the way they utilized their sets and they didn't go and do any locations shooting at all, that you, you kind of understand like, okay, fuck, I get it. Like this saved a fucking a lot of money and mm-hmm. was easy to shoot this way. Do a lot of two shots, do a lot of mid shots, do a lot of shot reverse shots. You know, just do a lot of conversation, exposition shots. All right. Well, now, because we have something to get through before we continue, because we still must indulge (laughs) these uh, emails we get occasionally. Uh, Before we uh, start going through episode by episode, we're going to... Is it Air Swan again? No, this isn't from Air Swan. This is from someone who's slightly more connected to the show. 
Noli's Mandalorian review don't open until showtime. Noli writes in, Hey Mandalorian, I am so fucking into you that I want to fucking lick your pussy and make you come so much. I want you badly and I know you want me. I want to fucking eat you and fuck you and suck your tits, lick your ass. I'm so fucking into you. It's incredible. I want to fucking suck your pussy, suck my cock, beat off in your face, hire a hooker. Let's get crazy. Do some coke. When you get this message, if you agree with this, just look at me and say, yes, fucking make you crazy. Make you fucking crazy. Of course, I didn't say any of that. No, no, Tim. Cool Boy Nation's very own superfan Pat O'Brien did. Couldn't agree with you less, Pat, or can I? Who fucking knows? I know one thing. Got a dick so big, it reached the heavens. God damn it. Ass like a 10-year-old boy and a pair of titties that will make you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. That's right. There's almost no substance to anything he writes us anymore. That's right, cool boy nation. Nobly going trans. Okay. Tits, dick, Baywatch. Get them tits. Keep that dick coming so good, coming so quick. Uh, well, now that that happened, I guess this is the part where I rate my boys. Or is like it, love it, gotta have it, can never be too sure. Fuck it. Ooh, rubbing that dick, pitching those nipples. You know what I like to come on? Big butt dimple, so gay for this shit. Fuck. This is his Mandalorian review. I guess I fall somewhere between like it slash love it and three or 3.5 boys out of five. Maybe just three. Like really, you have to commit. If you remember from the ever-evolving cool boy rating system, we now have to determine how many boys we would fuck to keep watching the show. Something about half a cadaver boy of a boy in a room with me doesn't sit well. Which half is it? The top half or the bottom half? Do I prefer a bashing butt bang with some Remy's or shimmy, shimmy, shimmy on my motherfucking Jimmy? At this point, I am sure Felk is fully engorged, at which point I'd be inclined to lick. At this point, at which point? At which point? At this point, I am fully engorged, at which point? At this point, I am sure Felk is fully engorged, at which point I'd be inclined to lick his radical rod. At which point he fingers my ass because of this. At this point, he loves it as much as Chaz D. Rumor has it. He's been like, there's like two sentences about the man. Back to the Mandalorian. I liked it. Didn't love it. He already said that. Don't really got to have it. If you were to tell me we were only getting one season, I think it would be okay with that. I think I had my fill, but you never know. Sometimes I have this insatiable thirst, these desires. See, I got a huge cock, Mando. I got a cock for you and the fucking be so good. But let's definitely not fuck to your soundtrack. What the fuck was that? It never matched to what I was seeing on screen. I get you wanted that whole Western vibe, but after years of being fucked in the ear with bodacious John Williams melodies, I don't know how to respond to that. It never felt heroic. It never got my boner raging. It never felt like Star Wars, but what's even more odd is that if you listen to it outside the context of the show, it sounds pretty decent. Weird! Speaking of quote-unquote weird, I loved how weird the show was. 
I preferred when the show was operating like a forgotten episode of Kevin Sorbo's Hunky Hercules or Lucy Lawless's Xenia, or Xena, you pronounced it Xenia last episode, not stuck with me. Xena, Deep Throat Princess. All right, you guys take it away and dive deep into Baby Yoda's ass. I have spoken. You know what they like to say, I'll be back for season two, is what Falk always likes to say. You're so fucking in you. Dad! Gosh, you got the most incredible body and a pair of titties make you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. Dad! Ass like a 10-year-old boy. No, I'm doing doing blow off off this other guy's dick. Sweet pussy. He'll be back for season two, The Mandalorian or Nolan or definitely not the Cool Boys podcast. Although I don't know, we're probably in season three by now. Nolan's email? No, is no wait is will Nolan write another email for season two of Mandalorian? Is that what he's saying? Probably. Nice. I definitely won't be back in the show by then. It's fall 2021. Um, I just want to get into one thing real quick that uh, Nolan mentioned that I completely agree with is the score by Ludwig uh, Göransson is not good no, it's not. for the, uh, the the show. It doesn't match up with the visuals. It's a, it's this weird horns um, and it feels kind of very 80s, uh, but in like kind of like a really like kind of C movie way. And when I hear it, though, afterwards, like during the concept art sequences, I love the concept art that they show at the end of every episode. I love the score then. I fucking hate that, though, when I'm watching action going on screen. It's like, oh, yeah, no. just, it first it first kicks in during the writing the blurg montage in the first episode. And that's when I was like, oh, this show ain't going to be that good. It just felt no, I think, all well, wrong I think it me. first kicks in when he kicks the, the logo or the opening title of the very first time, The Mandalorian. You hear it then. But yeah, you're right. But the first real sequence within like visuals of the show. Yeah, I guess it is the blurgs. Yeah. Felt real quick. Want to ask you though about the concept art at the end of every episode? Did you like that? Love it or gotta have it? I thought. Okay, was it concept art? I thought those were artists doing that after the episode had been shot. I'm pretty sure that was concept art. It was very close sometimes, but then ever, other times it wasn't. Like because Gina Carano did not look like Gina Carano. It was a totally different design for that character. Or Jake Cannavale's character looked nothing like his character in the concept art. Yeah, I, uh, since you just mentioned it, I hated Jake Cannavale's character and that episode. Yeah. 
I love the concept art. I, I I thought it was one of those things that I looked forward to, honestly, every episode. Um, I went online and tried to find them in high res later sometimes and, and, and just to have it like Jack on my off. computer for like, I don't know, screensavers. Oh, man, it, no. it, it was fucking really cool. It reminded me of like like Ma- Ralph McQuarrie and like like that style of old Star Wars and going through my old art of, you know, Empire Strikes Back or like, you know, th- that those books. Like it's so fucking cool to see that art. And I loved how they were just like, dude, boom, here's this amazing art that's being done. Like it reminds me of fucking like Drew Struzan and like his shit. <laughs> Is it Struzan? That was Drew Struzan. I don't know how you pronounce it. I, whatever. But you know what you know what I'm talking about. But it reminds me of his fucking work. And I love his work. And like I not long ago I sent a you know, uh, a comment out to like Noli and I think maybe Justin is hard. And we talked about like Drew Struzan and like his, all his posters and his art. It's true. If he's an artist, he's Drew Struzan. Yeah. He didn't do those. Like, these, these artists, these, these were by nobodies. They weren't by Ralph McQuarrie or by Drew Struzan, right? They were just- no, they weren't, but they're going to be somebody's maybe someday. Cause there's some of this art was fucking awesome. But that being said, the show never really matched up with these concept arts. Like we have, for instance, Jake Cannavale, who looked nothing like it. And Felk, what do you think of Jake Cannavale? I thought that episode was stupid. Um, that that first of all, I was just like, who is this guy? Is this a Jonas? Toro I thought he was a Jonas. Peloton. He seemed like uh, somebody who was there because he was already famous. Um, the earring, the haircut, none of it matched with Star Wars. It, it felt very like 2006 it, it, with this with a, with a style or like early aughts cool you know like it, it didn't it didn't uh nothing about that character resonated with me uh amy sedaris was fucking really weird casting and to have hang her on, in that hang episode. On. let's talk about jake cannavale first let's not just jump around here talk about that episode uh yeah he, he was horrible jake cannavale was horrible um he he did not know what the fuck he was in he, he was the only person that didn't know what showy or movie whatever you want to call this he did not know what, it, what he was in he was he was he was playing it like he was in 2002, as you kind of mentioned that. Yes, I agree with that. And his style wasn't very 70s or 80s. No, he felt kind of out, like fish out of water in, in the scenes he was in. He did not match up with the style of of acting, but of gravitas you would have for Star Wars. He felt like he was, I guess, a Jonas Brothers, a good kind of rendition felt that you mentioned manufactured. Yeah, he seemed manufactured. Yeah, he did. Um, he had like you know lip gloss on and everything, and he seemed forced. Like his acting seemed forced. Like he was just throwing lines out there. All the all right. Let's just all the stunt casting uh, from uh, from Brian Posehn uh, popping up for for one scene because Brian Posehn is a nerd. He's a fan of Star Wars. Episode one, yeah. Uh, to uh, he was the speeder pilot. Um, even though I, I'm impressed that they would Disney would hire Bill Burr. Considering, you know, what his comedy has been uh, anti woke at times. Um, but it, yeah, but he's so huge. It doesn't matter. He just he, he he came across as like, oh, that's Bill Burr. Does he even act? I thought he was just like seeing a comedian. He's acted. Yeah, he acts. He's been in a bunch of things uh, in small roles. I guess he's been in he's in Breaking Bad, I guess. He was also in The Heat, I think. Um, yeah, Bill Burr's been in a lot of shit. I think what this show mostly was, though, was John Favreau. Who's your friends? And can you bring them in play? I guess the one that really stood out to me was uh, Gina Carano cannot act. I don't I don't know where we got this this idea that female UFC fighters can act. They can't. 
Um, I guess the idea is that you can throw them around and they'll do some of their own stunts. Although I don't think Gina Carano honestly does her own stunts anymore. No, uh, she had a stunt person. She's hotter than Ronda Rousey, but oh yeah, ooh, did she look a little thick in this show? Uh, is this oh, she's me? always been a little thick. She really, I mean, she's only been her thinness is usually like on you know on uh, on weigh-in day. Yeah, which like is that's like her thinness. Maybe she's usually a little thick. I I think Gina Carano is a gorgeous woman. I think her acting is not the best. I think it is honestly subpar. I thought her. Episode four acting in the show um, was not that good. I thought it felt very kind of also forced a lot like Jake Cannavale. However, when she was, you know, brought back in in episode seven and eight, she felt a little bit more kind of uh, in line with the show, with the other actors in the scene. It didn't feel like she was kind of acting to the other people. It felt like she was reacting with the other characters. And I think that was impressive. I mean, I do think there are moments when she feels better suited for the role. And Deadpool, she's better suited for that role. There's not much there. She's she's just kind of you know a hard ass, and that's all she needs to be. She needs to be a strong man, a strong woman, excuse me. And Haywire, she had the whole movie for the most part resting on her, even though she's surrounded by an incredible supporting cast. And I liked what she did with Haywire. I think Haywire is much more subtle, and I think Steven Soderbergh had to go subtle acting with her because he knew he just couldn't give her a shit ton of lines. She was not going to sell it. I was looking for that GIF of, uh, but I can't find it of, uh, so there's a, there's a part in the fourth episode where they are, uh, arm wrestling for some reason. And I was just going to find, uh, one of the many, 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 Oh, here it is. It's, it's a, the seventh episode, they arm wrestle. Uh, it's off YouTube already. It's too too violent uh, of, of, uh, men and women arm wrestling and just the women's arms just, Snap one after oh. the other. Uh, this is a montage of them because uh, bone density is a thing. And despite what social justice wants to throw into movies or, or in this case, high high quality TV <gasps> shows, don't. If you're a woman, don't arm wrestle a man, especially not a one. The who, movie in which the guy's arm breaks when he's like doing like a, a arm wrestling challenge with someone else, and he just breaks his arm. I don't know. Like Somebody's arm breaks in uh, in uh, the uh, Stallone movie. Uh, over the top. Over the top. But uh, no, it's not that one. It's something else. And, and Quinn, of course, talks about how he fucked up his arm permanently doing an arm wrestling in the in the famous scene of Jaws, in which they're talking about their scars. But I don't know about. Uh, Is it the fly? Oh, yeah, yeah. He does break that dude's arm in the fly. Does he break a dude's arm in the fly? Jeff Goldblum breaks a dude's arm? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's the one I remember. Dude, I don't want that's, to see this. That oh, was God, this so violent. Oh. Okay, I was just looking at the actual real girl's arm arms breaking because they, <laughs> they, they <laughs> buy into fucking uh, people who think that male strength is just a gender cons construct, which is an actual Anita Sarkeesian concept uh, that uh, that bone density doesn't affect uh, fucking uh, the ability to arm wrestle and, and wrestle and fight. Uh, it does. Don't arm wrestle men. If you're a woman, it, 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 you're going to probably lose or break your arm in the process. Just like in the fly. Yeah. Uh, also don't, uh, don't be cool with M to F trans athletes, uh, fighting cis women in the Joe UFC. Rogan's all about this. I know oh Joe Rogan's God. getting fucking dragged as transphobic because Birdie retweeted him saying it. He thinks he he'll vote for Birdie. And the sad thing about that is that Joe Rogan thinks Bernie's a decent candidate, not the fact that uh, Bernie fucking retweeted something from a horrible homophobic transphobe. Oh, no. 
Wait, uh, Joe Rogan's a horrible homophobic transphobe? According to many, many, many Bernie supporters who are very mad that Bernie retreated the, uh, that or okay, reposted. Let me tell, you, let me tell those, those people that believe that shit. Robert Downey Jr. would not fucking go and sit down and do like almost 90 minutes. Uh, the man who Joe wore Rogan. blackface? Obvious racist. Well, they actually talk about that. I know That's pretty funny when they discuss that moment. In, that was uh, an interesting interview. History. He, he talked about how, like, how he'd always worn like weird medallions around his chest before the arc reactor and, and how like yep. it was kind of like the role was spiritually connected to him. It was an, it was an interesting, uh, interesting interview. It seemed a little bit like um, soft little kitty gloves were on Joe Rogan when he was handling the way he talked to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, it was kind of like it's Robert Downey fucking Jr. You know, because no, seriously, if, I'm, if you're interviewing ever, Robert Downey Jr., now. the first thing I'm going to ask is, so what about the time you uh, were so fucked up on heroin? You, you broke into like some kid's room because you thought it was your home and, and yeah. fell asleep in a fucking crib crib or some shit yeah it's either like a toddler bed or a crib it's something like that though yeah something Heroin. too tiny back to the mandalorian yeah we'll talk about the mandalorian i just finished it today actually i i uh i never relate to this game but i didn't really have a i i watched the first three episodes week after week when they were airing and then um it was the third one where I kind of stopped fucking caring and, and just said, I'll, I'll binge them when they're all available. And then kind of forgot about it until you wanted to do a spoiler cast. And then I, I caught up, um, but you watched the Witcher. You really don't I like the Witcher more than I like the Witcher more than, uh, than Mandalorian. You've watched the Witcher twice now, dude, Henry Cavill versus Pedro Pascal, apparently overdubbing onto some stunt man's performance of a mask. Stunt men, three different stunt men. Yeah, uh, Henry, way more uh, charismatic, even in that role, and and uh, similar role, just kind of a guy who's out for the money but gets dragged into uh, a protector role. Although obviously, uh, Mandalorian gets Baby Yoda in the first episode and protects him throughout the whole series, whereas uh, Henry Cavill doesn't meet Siri until the last episode of the witcher so we don't right. really get a whole lot of okay. him protecting that's her. enough that's enough witcher talk and moving back to mandalorian because there's a whole witcher episode you can check out cool boy nation if you want more i was comparing it to a mandalorian witcher it was, not, it was off topic um i thought the uh casting uh for the mandalorian was fairly well done i i liked gina carano in the role i know she wasn't the best but i liked her in the role i liked carl weathers i liked Werner herzog i you know yeah, Werner's great i thought that, fucking uh John Carlo uh, Esposito was amazing as the big bad. Oh, um, I like Pedro Pascal as a voice artist, essentially for the body doubles like Brendan Wayne and I had the names written down. Uh, Latif Crowder, and in only episodes four through six, Barry Lowen. Brendan Wayne, by the way, son or grandson, excuse me, of John Wayne. Wow, that's um. right. I, I, so I didn't know this. You just told me this information pre-show that the Mandalorian was played by stuntman, not Pedro, not Pedro Pascal yes. in the outfit. Very I rare. thought he was. I thought Pedro was actually there on set in, in the thing all the time, keeping the helmet on, ju just like, you know, uh, Casey Affleck was really under the ghost sheet and ghosts in a ghost story. And, and, uh, other people just keep the, and, and uh, you know, other people have done that. Brian, or Brian, um, 
Michael Fassbender did that in a, in a movie where he wore this weird head for an entire movie and he was really wearing the head. I don't remember the name of the movie because nobody gives a shit about it. Uh, but he wore this like paper mache head. Fred oh, wait, wait, something? Wait, wait. Frank. Frank, yes, Frank. That's the name of the movie. Yep. Um, which I've never seen because fucking looks terrible. But I, I mean, I respect that Fassbender was willing to do that. And I, do, I respect Pedro Pascal less and the show less, knowing that uh, that's how that was achieved. If you're just going to have an actor be the voice, then get somebody bigger than Pedro Pascal. Get Tom Cruise. Well, Pedro's a, a horribly big actor, so they have some control there with the with the wages, right? With his like contract. I mean, I think that's that's helpful. Um, he's a he's fairly well known within the fan community, uh, especially because of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four coming out, but also Game of Thrones, obviously. Um, I, I thought I thought he was a good a good voice actor, honestly. Yeah, but when you when you do um, it that way, you typically you you know if you're gonna have the director's brother be the one on set like Sean Gunn, and, and then you bring in Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper probably worked a day on each Guardians movie and Infinity War and Endgame. Now, it's probably a day of work each for him. If Two that. days maybe tops, right? Yeah. So I, I I can't imagine that Pedro had to do much work. Get a Bradley Cooper level star for this kind of thing. Well, I, I don't think Disney had the money to buy a Bradley Cooper level star because they were putting enough into the visual effects that they had. I mean, the show was loaded in visual effects and they did some old school visual effects and they did some groundbreaking visual effects like for today's standards. I mean, they were breaking industry standards today with the visual effects for the show. I mean, there's amazing things that they surpassed and some huge ground they covered. But talking about casting only, like I, I really loved – Actually, the fact that they did a double. I mean, Darth Vader started off as David Prowse and then was recast, you know, voice wise by James Earl Jones. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, abnormal for Star Wars. It's practically, you know, part of the family at this point to have somebody be a body double and then someone else do the voice later. Yeah, but they I put mean, Hayden Christensen in the outfit for at the end of Revenge of the Sith. They did. They did. They actually did put Hayden apparently in the in the, in the uh, Darth Vader suit. But that being said, Brendan Wayne. Um, I loved what he was doing. I think he was the main uh, uh, stunt man that was in the Mandalorian costume. Uh, he's at the top of every bill, as well as he got to play an additional character. He got to play the Mando soldier that's in the flashback scene that actually saves the little boy, Jin Jaren, hmm. or Din Jaren, um, the Mandalorian when he was a little kid. Like that, That's actually Brandon Wayne in that suit. And, and I think the whole purpose of that is that he moves the same way. You know, I thought that was supposed to be Boba way. Fett, by the way. I thought that was supposed to be Boba Fett. No, no, the, that was the Mandalorian army from Mandalorian. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't Boba Fett. No, it wasn't Boba. But so Brendan Wayne being in that suit and doing that whole thing and walking and moving exactly like the Mandalorian has walked and moved all season was awesome to the point where I thought to myself, is this just like another trilogy of films done by Lucasfilm in which the last crusade in where Indy actually kind of gets inspiration by the guy that looks like Indiana Jones during the entire taking of, you know, the uh, Cortez cross. It feels like that to me. Like it was like, Oh yeah. It's kind of like a passing of, you know, down of, of the cowl. Essentially this hat, Mandalorian. Right? the fedora <laughs> is this passing down of the cowl and, and in the Mandalorian, this kind of Mandalorian way of being uh, it's essentially passed down from the character of Brendan Wayne Mando soldier to Din Djarin's Mandalorian. He will become, and that we see throughout the whole show. I thought it was fucking awesome. And I loved what Brendan Wayne did. There was a point in episode three when he's walking through Navarro 
and the planet of Navarro, and he's moving his thighs so weird. He's lifting them really high, and it's kind of this weird, like, high step walk that he's kind of doing. And I'm like, and I and I looked at my wife, and I'm watching this because my wife and I watched every single episode before we watched it with the kids, so we could kind of clear it properly, clear it before showing the children, okay, and make sure there's nothing too crazy in it, and there never was. Um, anyway, so we're watching it. And I looked at him like, you know what I love about this is that. If you did this CGI, because at the time I was watching The Mandalorian, early on The Mandalorian, I was also re-watching Star Wars for Episode Nine being released in theaters. So I was getting caught up on Star Wars 1 through 8. And I was in the Clone War section about that point. So I was between, like, I think I was at Revenge of the Sith specifically. And I'm watching that moment, and I'm thinking, isn't it crazy the way he's, like, lifting his thighs? Uh, the Mandalorian, the actor that I thought was Pedro Pascal at the time. And I see him walking weird, and I look to my wife, and I'm like, you know what's great about this is that... This actor in this suit right now has to walk this way because the way the suit is on their body, the way it's formed to their body, the way they have to actually wear a costume with weird plates on it and a weird seams and it's sewn and everything. And you have in the Revenge of the Sith, you have all these digital characters that are stormtroopers or clone troopers, excuse me, running around. They're all digital. Yeah, never understood that. They don't move based on their suits. They don't act. They're just literally zeros and ones told to do something. And then so if they have to fold, the the leg just folds up. Yeah, they're hand animated too. They're not mo-capped. They're cheats essentially for background characters. Anyways, watching Brandon Wayne act as the Pedro Pascal version of The Mandalorian, I thought Pedro Pascal was killing it. Then by the end of episode three, I finally realized, I looked at the credits and I was like, oh my gosh, Brandon fucking Wayne? And who ends up being like John Wayne's grandson. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, this guy's been killing it. And Pedro Pascal, like, he's he's just voice only? That, that's really disappointing. It makes me it respect so the I series a lot less. Most of the series kind of giving the credit to Brennan Wayne and, and Latif, uh, whatever his name is, Latif Crowder, you know, and Barry Lowen. I gave the I gave most of the acting to them because I was just like blown away. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, who did episode four, which yeah. was called Sanctuary sanctuary she said i think she's quoted as saying she never worked with pedro pascal once on the set of the mandalorian that's the director of an episode never once worked with the primary star yeah and that and i don't know just she gets to direct him in post i mean i don't know i wonder how much control the directors of the episodes actually had of post I wonder yeah. if Post was mostly under the control of John Favreau and the directors handled mostly production. Also, why did Bryce Ellis Howard get to direct an episode? That's social justice and nepotism conspiring. My father directed Solo and Willow. Yeah. And, you know, they needed women directors. And she grew up on the sets of Star Wars. Uh, she was always around. She, like, George Lucas is one of her godfathers, whatever the fuck. Like, like she she knows Star Wars sets like the back of her hand because she grew up on them. But she wears heels the entire time, even though it's inappropriate. You're talking about someone else's directing and writing of a character she had no control over, really. And that's Jurassic World. Oh, I'm sure she could have and said that. I'm not going to wear horrible. heels. Her fucking being in high heels, the whole ending of Jurassic World brings that Sexism. whole movie down a whole boy. Sexist. It's terrible. Seriously, the whole movie drops a whole boy because the way they just had her have heels. Anyone in heels, boy, girl, doesn't fucking matter. Wearing heels in a situation where they have to run away from a T-Rex would kick their fucking heels off. This kind of dialogue was sexist in the 70s. I can't believe they're doing it now. That's Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. He's sensitive. So sensitive. 
Um, so by the way, Felk, Sarah Haley Finn, she did uh, the casting for this series. She's done the casting for every MCU film. I think she's actually a great casting director, and I yeah. love the casting that she did for this show. <laughs> I think we talked about it already a little bit, but we had Taika Waititi as IG-11. That was fun. Nick Nolte as Quill. That's great. Werner Herzog as the client. Carl Weathers as Grief Karga. Gianna Carano as Cara Dune. Amy Sedaris as Peli Mato. Jake Cannavale, we talked about already. Toro Calican. Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand. That's you, Felk. You're Fennec Shand Felk. Okay. Mark Boone Jr. as Malk or Ra Ranzar Ran Malk. Bill Burr was Mayfell. Clancy Brown was Berg. That's always, Clancy Brown's always good casting. Richard Iode was uh, Zero or Q90, uh, the droid from the uh, Prisoner episode. Yeah, that episode, episode also had the corrupt, not Bullock, but kind of Bullock guy from uh, Batman Begins, as I recall. Yeah, that, that Mark Boone Jr. Uh, that's Mark, okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, John Carlo Esposito was Moff Gideon, who's a fucking wonderful bad guy. Okay, let's just, all right, now that you're on it. No, I feel like they, they by the, the, the end, they're like, we don't really have a villain for this show. Um, can we just take a villain from a pre-existing show and have him be Star Warsy now? Breaking Bad. That, that's that's that, that's Gus Fring. That was just Darth Fring or whatever. Like he was just he dressed like Darth Vader, but he had the exact mannerisms that Gustavo Fring did, and I didn't see any difference. And then the big reveal at the end that he's a Sith of some kind. He has a dark saber, the dark lightsaber. You know, he didn't die, and he has a a, a bad lightsaber. Uh, implying he has force sensitivity is obviously being set up as the show's uh, primary villain moving into season two. No, you can't just have Giancarlo Esposito be a fucking uh, corrupt or kind of crime boss uh, who's who's calm and, and like collected like that, that's just stealing from another show's casting. If you have him be a completely different type of character, then that could be interesting. But I just saw Gus Fring in Star Wars. Yeah, I do agree with you, actually. Um, I did feel the same way. When I saw him, it felt a little cheap because it's like, okay, you're just taking somebody that we know already that's a great antagonist, a great bad guy, a yeah. great super villain. I mean, Gus Fring is a super villain. I have the Funko Pop for Gus. I fucking love it. It's actually the one where up. he's adjusting his uh, his tie, yeah. except I kept it without his face being off, which is, by the way, the name of that episode, Face, face off. off, because they were facing off, finally, mm -hmm. the two, Walter and Gus, but then fucking Gus gets half of his fucking face blown off, which yeah. is an incredible shot. Yeah. It is such an incredible shot. You're outside in the hallway of the hospital. We're talking, obviously, major spoilers for episode, uh, episode I think, 13 of season five. Five, yeah. And Gus Fring is stepping out of the, ho uh, the hospital room that just had a whole bomb go off. And fucking, he's adjusting his tie, and as the camera pans around, you see the yes. side of his face <laughs> is just ends. missing. It's a skull. There's some tendons. There's some. Okay, that flesh. only happens because they didn't know whether or not they'd have a season six, so they uh, uh, they had to do it as though that could potentially be also the finale and, and the big, the final ending would have been, you know, finding out how, how uh, far, which would have been a great ending. Yeah. Walter White had gone and, and poisoning a child, but, but 
Because I, I have a feeling had they have known they had one more season, they, they would have kept Gus to be the primary antagonist. That's the problem. No, I don't the, think so. That's the problem with season six is that when you move on to Uncle whatever his name is, the, the, white, the, the white nationalist or white supremacist uh, gang, yeah, they're not as good a villain. He's not the real antagonist of that season, though, right? He's not. The real antagonist of that season becomes Walter. Walter yeah, yeah, becomes yeah. the real antagonist. Well, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But it, 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 it's it, yes, and that ends with Ozymandias and then the finale – Still, he does become uh, the, the 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 white supremacist gang becomes the look uh, over all my dildo works. Yeah, becomes becomes the villain because uh, Gus is such an iconic villain, but he doesn't come in until the second. The I think the season three. Yeah, season no no it comes in season two, the end of season two. Very end of season two. Very end of season two. Second to last episodes where they make the deal to to sell everything, and and uh, Walter can't uh, has to deliver the drugs to him because uh, Jesse is, is high on heroin. And that's when, and then that's when he kills Jesse's girlfriend yeah, after that. Yeah. Remember? Cause he breaks in. Do do you want to just talk about breaking bad? Honestly, but it's a better, it's a better, it's a better, that's sh- better show. Uh, but like I said, you can't have, I guess he's not really a crime boss. Cause he's, he's from the, uh, the Empire, but they, they set up that Giancarlo Esposito's character in Mandalorian is like wanted and supposedly executed for war crimes. So he's a really bad dude from the Empire. So that we Nazi, never heard dude. Of. But by the way, that's so Nazi, which is right on point for Empire. Yeah, well, the well, the Empire has done far worse than the, the, the Nazis. No, no, I they know, they blew up saying, planets. Like, as a kind of, you know, a substitute for storytelling purposes, the the Empire's always been Nazis, space Nazis. Yeah, right? but my point is, is if, if Darth Vader just blew up a planet to make it a point, what the fuck is a war crime for, for a former okay, Imperial yes, officer? Right, but not getting into, like, that level, but, like, but just getting back to the space Nazis. I love the idea that this space Nazi that was apparently executed for war crimes and then ended up, you know, getting away yeah. and still running amok somewhere else in this in galaxy, <laughs> like a South America yeah. world galaxy. Um, I thought it was really cool that the that the Imperial except 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 show, when Nazis went to Argentina to live out their days as fucking pig farmers and, and stuff that with all their fucking stolen gold, uh, they didn't dress in their Nazi uniforms surrounded by people dressed in full Nazi uniforms. Which is yeah, what this guy's doing. I know. I know. Yeah, that, that's I know. That's where it stops. Right. That's where the analogy ends. But uh, um, I, I do. I do enjoy the way that that the Empire still was functioning in this Mandalorian. That was world. cool. That was a cool element was finding out what immediately after i mean it was what like a year or two after return of the Jedi? And it was close enough to episode six's ending that uh grief Karga is talking to the mandalorian and he's just like imperial credits don't work here man like yeah. you know like that's that's this whole thing like right away like you're like okay so this is close enough that people are still trying to use their currency imperial currency yeah and that the imperial you know governors have now kind of taken over their own control where they can, where the rebellion hasn't had a chance to actually come in and and fix everything and yeah. create this new, you know, this new Called government, new Republic, this new galactic right? empire, yeah. this new galactic republic. Yeah, but it, but that doesn't last because the first order comes in sometime in the next thirty years. And like twenty years later, or something like that. Nineteen years later, yeah, it blows them all away. Yeah, I don't know how that yeah. happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, no, I guess, yeah, I guess the years. emperor is alive at, at, at this point. Uh, now that we know that, yeah, there's a lot of things that we now that we know that are kind of not enhanced by our knowledge of the sequel trilogy. 
unfortunately. And there really there, there's stuff from the original trilogy. And there's definitely stuff from the prequels, including droids and the battle droids and the repair droids and all that other stuff. Not a lot of stuff introduced in the sequel trilogy makes it into the show. Well, the sequel trilogy does take place after the show. Yeah, but you you could still have stuff that was set up. You could have you could have rumblings of the first order. You could you could you could mention some. I of the think concepts. they'll get there. Yeah, I think they'll get there for sure. I think they set the show up specifically where they did, not only to put it in a place that we haven't really been before in Star Wars land of the idea of right after Return of the Jedi. Like visually, we've never been there in live action, but other than I guess maybe the Ewok films. But um, <laughs> I do think that they're going to work to some layers of first order and all that type of shit and the resistance and things along those lines. Not even like I a mention of like a rock cool. tar or whatever, you know, there's like, they didn't even mention the, the species. Like have, have a little Babu Frick. Oh, the, well, the rath tars mentioned or shown in, um, in episode six, oh, right? Yeah, it's the right. thing that grabs C3PO in Jabba's palace. One of the cool things. Oh, you know what? I'm wrong. They do mention, they mention Canto bite. They do mention Canto bite in one episode. Oh, they did. I yeah. missed that. Yeah. Okay. It's like nice. it's a uh, Bill Burr. I think is like that's like a Canto bite slot machine. It's like something like that. Oh yes. Well, cool. Good. Well, not um, really. I like, Canto I, bite sucks. Well, speaking of, I guess of of the sequel trilogy, um, the Resistance, uh, Rise of the Resistance ride that you can do at Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah. Apparently, that ride is canon within the Star Wars saga. Hmm. The actions that you do on that ride while you ride that ride upset Hux so much that it's the reason and the genesis for his turn and his betrayal of Kylo Ren and when Hux becomes the mole for the rise of Skywalker. It's all because of what you do on that ride. That's stupid. It is. It is. So when you watch that movie and if you've done that ride, you can go, I did that. I'm officially canon now. I thought uh, Amy Sedaris was weird <laughs> casting. I didn't like that there was a planet called Navarro because that just made me think of Dave Navarro. Oh, hang on. These Let's talk about plants then. These are stray thoughts. So and I have a lot to say about goddamn Baby Yoda. <laughs> we need to talk about Baby Yoda. Well, we'll get, Baby Yoda should be saved for the end, right? Don't show the shark until the end. So let's talk well, about they show him in the first episode. So I'm saying for us, this is our shark is Baby Yoda. We have a lot to say, of course. So plants. Plants. We had the unknown ice planet at the beginning of episode or sorry, chapter one. Followed by Navarro and then Arvala 7. Chapter 2 was entirely on Arvala 7. Chapter 3 was back on Navarro. Uh -huh. Chapter 4 was Sorgon. So Navarro is the planet where all the action, for the most part, happens on this series. Arvala is where Kuil lived and where the baby Yoda was found. The Unknown Ice Planet is where Brian Fossein died. And Sorgon is where we met Gina Carano. Then we have Tatooine. Oh, I've heard of that one. we have Mos Eisley. The most Icelandicatina comes back. We do. We have it. Then chapter six, we have space. No planet. It's just all space on space stations and spaceships and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Chapter seven, we go back to Sorgon, Arvala seven, and then to Navarro, where the series ends on Planet Navarro in chapter eight. Yep. Now, Felk, what is your favorite planet? I mean, Tatooine is the best planet in, the, in this in this whole thing i don't like that navarro makes me think of dave navarro as i said earlier uh i mean S sorgon that just felt like 
they went out to Griffith Park. It was, it was like every Star Wars fan, fan film where it's just like, eh, we just kind of need a a slightly wooded area. I didn't like episode four at all. I thought that was uh, that was a wheel spinner uh, where because uh, like mm. those characters that the Mandalorian and Gina Carano fucking trained to fight a, a single uh, ATST or ATAT. No, AT. ATST. ATST. All terrain. Uh, Scout transport. I like. I kind of like that it was just being used by like a, like alien like raiders because it's like it's kind of like uh, how AK forty sevens all fucking wound up in the Middle East and and Clatoonians. Uh, the Clatoonians were the ones that were actually using it. Just it's just like it was. I, but I assume they just claimed it or bought it as surplus imperial. Or it was left over from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just kind of like uh, that was that was kind of interesting. How when empires fall, you just sell their shit. I like that it was like they used the Clatoonians or whatever. I don't know their name exactly. I think it's Clatoonians. They, they've been in like the backgrounds of episode six. They were on Jabba's like barge. Uh, they've been in like episodes like one and two, I think. I didn't Catalina. notice them. They're, 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 they're just this race. Uh, they're kind of like they remind me of the Marauders from uh, which are like they're called the, like the Sassy Frass or Sassy Band or Sassy Van. I forget what they're called. Uh, that are in the uh, Ewok battle for Endor. Like I love these characters sassy pants? that are being. <laughs> yeah, they're called like Sassy Pants. But I love that these characters are being used. No, I, I like love that too. I like the species. The way aliens are used on this show. Yeah, no, I, I like the Ugnot because Ugnots are always just fucking grunts. The Ugnot, and, yeah. And like now, now it's like an Ugnot's like, hey, look, I worked for the Empire because I was like sold to them, and I now I'm kind of free. So you know, I'm, I'm an Ugnot. Uh, yep. I'm assuming that was also a little person in a costume, and, and it was. Oh, Felk! Oh, Felk! Don't get me started. Hang on. We're going to come back to the little person in the costume for the Ugnaught for Quill because that's a big deal. But I just want to talk Isn't about it? these characters, these alien characters. We had a Zabrak, which is what Darth Maul was. That's what um, uh, Dune, Cara Dune is, is fighting in episode seven yeah. when she's tied by the laser. That was right? stupid. Yeah. But that's a Zabrak. That's a fucking like a Darth Darth Maul. I love how we get these creatures, these, these characters. We had Salacious B. Crumb essentially – with a pick through him and he was being roasted while another one was like watching. I don't think it was it, supposed like, to be the salacious crumb. I don't think it was supposed to be the salacious bee crumb, but it, it, what are they called? The Kowakian monkey lizard or yeah. some shit? Kowakian. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Kowakian monkey lizard. Or right? lizard monkey. So they were, they were, but seriously, if you ever saw Kowakian monkey lizard, would you ever want to eat that? <laughs> like who looks at that and goes, people yeah. were hungry. People were hungry on, mm. on whatever. I love that. They brought Navarro. back the uh, TTAL fucking gatekeeper droid that Jabba has that comes out. It's at Navarro and goes, yeah. you what you know, like a fucking yes, the did. and the serving droid from Jabba's sand barge. I think yep. maybe his palace is now operating the Tatooine, the most Eisley cantina, uh, which is unique and interesting because the previous owner hated droids. Uh, it didn't serve droids, which doesn't make sense. Cause like, why would you serve droids? beverages and food mm -hmm. uh anyways but he wouldn't serve c-3po but now a droid is is uh the bartender he's stuck having to do it yeah. yeah they had a lot of those kind of droids you had uh you had the uh the gonk the gonk droid gonk droids, like yeah. you had like a modified imperial gonk droid yeah there was an r2 unit with arms I like that Jawas were everywhere. Jawas aren't just on Tatooine. Jawas are actually like space rats. Yeah, how <laughs> would Jawas? How, how would Jawas? I guess they can, if they can build a big 
rolly thingy, they can probably build a spaceship. But I thought I think Jawas just ended up on random transports and got flown to other systems, and they're like bullfrogs, where they just got out into other systems and started breeding, and they have their little Jawas out there. Is there is there like canonical what Jawas look like under there? No, I don't think so. See. I think just like Yoda doesn't technically have a home planet or a name of a species, I don't think you know exactly what a Jawa looks like. Hmm. And I have seen um, images, I think, of on the set from from A New Hope from the first film, where uh, it, I think it's just like black hood, yeah, and like lights, like uh, flashlights on people's eyes. I think it's just like it's not that it's there's no alien design. Yeah. Ugh. So. But that's the coolest thing. So, like, as a kid growing up, I played with Star Wars toys all the fucking time. And I I got to play with kind of, you know, the, the second tier toys because my brother, my older brother had the first tier toys. And then my little brother had, like, the third tier toys. He got what I didn't want to play with. So, like, if I, I had Cal Rizian. Lando I'm Cal an only child, so I got every toy to myself. Yeah, well, I, if I got to play with Lando Cal Rizian because my older brother was playing with Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, my little brother got, like, you know, Lobot. You like, can have I, the black one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, oh, my little brother got Lobot. Even worse. Um, so I read somewhere on Entertainment Weekly where John Favreau was talking about inspiration for the show. And I have the quote here. I've, I've always been curious, curious what the other people in the cantina are up to. to. We're, we're digging, digging really deep, deep in the toy chest and pulling out the action figures that people were always curious about. about. And we're not, not quite in the center frame, frame but have a lot of potential. potential. And then Filoni, Dave Filoni, the other person who created the show and actually directed a few episodes. He says... These, These are the are action, action figures you got. Your older brothers, brothers have had, had the good, good ones. ones. Somehow you, you got, got Boba Fett. Fett. And if, if you, you have Boba Fett, Fett you could always tell a good story. story. So this whole concept that they're making the show based around the things that... <laughs> based around your childhood and your situation? Well, not just my childhood. It's probably why I love the show to some extent. But like the idea that it's based around the the... The, the perspective that, like, let's look at the, the tertiary characters. Let's look at the margins right now, and let's just see what's there, and let's explore those areas. Like, even these planets were new, but the planets felt on point for Star Wars. One of the problems the prequels had um, was that the planets, for the most part, felt vastly different than the original trilogy. But the um, way The Mandalorian did it with Navarro, it's like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, an Icelandic volcanic land. And and then, like, you know, uh, they went to a Tatooine, which you, I guess everyone has to go to Tatooine at some point. And they kind of had Arvala 7, which was kind of similar to Tatooine, which was kind of like a little bit like Jakku. And uh, they didn't even go to these places. They, they went and like shot like maybe a day in Iceland to cover some fucking like elements. They, they shot elements. And yeah, I didn't know that back. either. I thought they were going places. And that now I'm looking no. at I, your, your link. Uh, I pulled it up before we started but and I looked at it. It's like, holy shit. So this is it's just it's just there's one shot at the very end that looks like they're actually in a canyon but that still might be the led set though yeah it's, it's just they use a, 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 an led thing to put up what's behind them i don't know yep. why that's better than just doing a key oh my god it's well okay so the reason is is because they can i think for like the wide shots they do a lot of still some like digital makeup right yeah. most work still is done to like kind of clean it up and maybe expand the sets a bit so then you have but, to rotoscope it out to, to, to do that. I think they don't so much because the element's already built because the element is built and already sent over to Unreal for their engine to put into the VER or sorry VR LED sets. So they have these elements. So it's probably not that hard to like resync them. And they probably have like a recording, like which they and they can also they can do a green screen. Like they can just turn on a green screen if they want. 
and they can do. Yeah, of course they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of these rigs do look like they might be motion controlled. They actually can completely light the set using the sets LED screens that are are displaying like authentic real light. But if they need to add key lights or backlights or anything like that, they just turn on a white box on an LED screen, and then they create and they turn like the luminosity on that box, right? And and they can make it brighter, or dimmer, or whatever. Yeah, of course. So they can add, they can add key light if they need to. They can add fill. Yeah. Kind of makes me wonder if this isn't going to be a, a, a standard moving forward. Um, again, I don't see the advantage over using green screen, except, you know, obviously the actors. Um, when you it. look at it through the lens of the camera, the seam is almost unnoticeable, mm. like almost entirely. And even where it's noticeable, they can go back in digitally and like recolor correct the background to like, oh, you know why it's, it's noticeable here, the seam here? Because the sand's a little bit more red over here in this corner. Oh, let's turn the sand a little bit more red on the LED in just that corner. Feather it. Perfect. Done. Yeah, you can fix that in post. Like, again, I don't... I no, don't. but they don't do that in post. They can fix that in, in during production. Mm. Like, because through the camera, if the seam is not there, done. And earlier, you touched upon this. They did a lot of exposition scenes, right? A lot of two shots, a lot of mid shots, and a lot of re shot reverse shot. Dude, this LED setup is perfect for that scenario. Two shots, shot reverse shot, yeah. mid shots. That's all it is for. It's designed for that. The wide shots, yeah, they had to go and stitch that up. They had to go back in digitally and modify wide shots, no question. I don't know. It, it just it, it, it feels like a weird... It almost feels like a cheat. I don't mind it though. I actually think it's uh, it's fascinating that there's things that they can they can look at a set and go, you know what, that rock's in the way. Let's move that boulder over here, or you know, can we change it to six o'clock again? We need magic hour again. Boom, six o'clock. You know, right right away. Or they can be like, oh, you know what, we want the sun over here right now. Can we make that the west? Boom, they, they can put the sun over in a different location. Yeah, guessing all these, all, all the back, the back plates that are being rendered on this this VFR, whatever it's called, uh, set, are fully computer generated, um, not based on actual landscapes either. I think they're based on actual landscapes, but they went and shot elements, then they pulled them back, and then they yeah they turned them into separate elements. So you can just pick up a rock like column and move it or a boulder and move it or some shrubs and add more shrubs, remove shrubs, all that type of shit. It's yeah. And I guess the event, the advantage over green screen is that it bounces it. You get accurate lighting. It's basically like using HDR in, yes. in real life and HDR for CG. So when you have like a mask or a helmet, that's shiny metal made of Beskar steel. Yeah. Quote, like the, the lighting will play right. The reflections will, you don't have to go back in and add reflections. Jesus. You don't have to do that. It's all in. So that's the other thing. Also, the um, actors can act in the environment. They understand their environment. They're not in a green screen. So yeah. It's not, where yeah they, are. We're, they we're, can actually see where they are. Yeah. that was That's the problem with the prequels, I guess, to a certain degree, is that nobody seems to be aware of what the fuck's going on around them. Yeah. For instance, like, say like you had a do-back on, on, on a dune on Tatooine. They could move the do-back around digitally to find the right placement for it, you know, for the eye line. Yeah. They could be like, oh, let's put it here. Boom. Done. Okay. Whatever. They did a lot of that shit. They did a lot of things practical because it was also just faster for turnaround. Hmm. Just because they had to turn these around as cheaply as possible because these were already as expensive as fuck. So, I mean, they hired a bunch of like B-level people, C-level people to be in this in the, in the, in the show because they, they didn't have the ability to get big names for it. Next season will change because I'm sure the show was huge. Um, Felk, did you know that they actually shot the Razorcrest 
the uh, uh, the ship, the Mandalorian ship. No. Did you know they shot that actually as like a bunch of different like plates, like and like the, have a model of the actual Mandalorian Razorcrest ship, and they flew it and they tracked it with motion tracking cameras, obviously, right, with rigs and all that shit, just like they did with the original Star Wars films, huh. just so they had real elements of the ship flying and then they just put in space they actually went and redid old style of production and post-production work for this show that they did for the original star wars films but for today's standards it's a fucking super fast turnaround you just have to fucking put a model out there and swing a camera around a fucking green screen or blue screen set and just move that camera around a whole bunch of different times and then boom. Yeah, because you're not you, inventing. You've got a few of them marked, right? Because yeah, you want to yeah, add yeah, another yeah, ship yeah, in there. Yeah. ILM was fucking in, inventing motion control cameras and, and building them for the move for, for Star Wars. Now yeah. you can go on fucking Amazon and buy one for 350 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a totally different environment. <laughs> So they were they were doing that. Um, a lot of the things on the set that I thought were amazing, including uh, the Razor Crest ship, is also the way that they. We talked about this when we did our kind of our mini spoiler cast on the Mandalorian. We watched episodes one and two first early on. Um, the Razor Crest looks practical, but you think to yourself, it, how can it be on this budget? They can't build the entire Razor Crest ship and just move it around from set to set. Well, it turns out they built sections of it. Yeah. And then they digitally did the rest on the LED. So it was like how Lucas would talk about when he in 99 for Phantom Menace, he said that we built some of the sets in most situations, but where we couldn't complete the set, digital effects will finish the set. And that was a big deal then. Oh my god. Unfinished sets where digital effects are going to complete it? That's incredible. Right, and he used a lot of miniatures. Lucas did also in Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. It was one of the last films where he used miniatures and practical sets. And then Attack of the Clones, he went fully digital practically. Um, anyways, for this, they did the same thing where they kind of they built a lot of these sets and then they added on to them. So like the Bill Burr's uh, episode where they're in the space station in the hangar and he's like, you know, they're getting their marching orders from fucking Malt or whatever his name is, um, Malt from Mark Boone Jr. Yeah. They uh, th they're just right up against one of those LED screens. They're maybe like two feet in front of an I didn't LED notice. screen, but all of this depth of perspective is going on. And when you watch it back, they probably didn't change that. That's probably all in camera. It's interesting. And they built a few elements though coming off of it, and it looks flawless. The set looks flawless, like it perfectly blends right into the LED. It's really it is something that I think that's going to take over um, a lot of productions because you can just set up a bunch of these LED sets and then you just rent out the space. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's effectively rear projection. Yeah, it's all it is. Um, it's just modern day version of that. Is, yeah, it's just it's a, well, it's just a different technology to create the projection. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's not a projection anymore. It's it's uh, it's, it's just a big giant led tv basically so uh it's interesting so felt we were talking about plants as i think we got into this uh, our favorite plants did you say what your favorite plant was or did your least favorite was navarro yeah tatooine i guess is my favorite and that's your favorite um i gotta say i really uh liked navarro i enjoyed uh the wildlife navarro those crazy fucking dragons that attacked the blurgs and killed a couple of them and essentially destroyed the uh, campsite uh, in episode seven. I, I like the look of it. I love that it's kind of grimy. I like that it was Western, but it wasn't, you know, obligatory Western. Um, 
It was cool. I like that. I think that was maybe my favorite. Uh, moving forward, since we have eight episodes here, we've discussed in some length already. Yeah, right. What was your favorite episode, and what was your least favorite episode? Okay, that's a tough one. Um, I did enjoy elements in the eighth one, the the final one, because redemption. Yeah, it, it felt like shit was happening, um, and I was finally getting some kind of stakes, but. Um, I like the prisoner. I thought that was that was a, a nice self-contained story. Really, that's maybe one of your favorites. Well, it's just because it, it was a self-contained like thing, and um, I, I I liked that it was. It, it felt to me. See, I thought that one was like okay. This one's set bound. They actually built these sets, but now maybe I I don't know. I who, who fucking knows anymore. I think the hallways in the the prison hallways, I think were real. And I think they used the exact same inner yeah. interchange, interjunction. It was one set. Whatever. I think they used that over and over again. It was one set, but I, like at least that one felt like more ta- tangible. And I like um, female Twi'leks in general. Uh, I think they're very fuckable usually. This one wasn't particularly fuckable. They made sure in that episode that you knew that Twi'leks in fuck. general, male and female, were very fuckable. Yeah, they fuck. By the way, Bill Burr said Twi'lek in a weird way. I can't remember, but he said like Twi'lek. Oh, really? I didn't notice. And I also I, I I heard it and I went, "What is that?" And then I went, "Oh my god, wait, is he re-saying Twi'lek?" Um, it's been forever since I've watched these. I honestly watched them when they came out twice each time. Not really. But I haven't seen them in forever, really. I just finished than, the last like three today. I no no I take that back. I did watch a few. I did I did the machete a few uh, a few days ago actually. Mm. But I don't I did not watch Prisoner, uh, the Prisoner episode yeah. in my machete viewing. I liked episode two as well because it was Jawa heavy, and we have to finally get to him at some point. But baby, not Yoda, yet. Not yet. So cute when he reached his hand out trying to do force. I, we didn't even know that force healing was a thing, but I thought that was. All that that it was in the uh, Mandalorian Episode was the two. force, yeah, force healing. Yeah. I didn't realize that he'd later like actually do it. So, and I guess that episode had come out before Rise of Skywalker came out. It did way before, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, episode the reckoning in which um, uh, Baby Yoda heals Carf uh, uh, Griga, Karga, grief, grief Karga. Um, that episode that did come out like days or a day before. The Rise of Skywalker came out. But yeah, the child, that episode when he's trying to heal the Mandalorian from his cut. So cute. Yeah, I mean, they were they were setting it up. So, But they did a better job of setting it up in this than they did with Rey in The Rise of Skywalker. I guess. I, I mean, well, they just like, all they did with her was like, all of a sudden she just did it to a fucking giant snake, snake yeah, creature. Yeah, that's something and, like, he cares about. And this, it was kind of like, there was like a reach out, and you're like, what's going on? He's trying to heal it. Oh, it's like E.T. By the way, E.T. is canon for Star Wars, so the ability for E.T. to heal Elliot means E.T. is 100% confirmed because of the Rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian. E.T. is a Jedi. Uh, No, he's just using the Force. We don't know if he's been trained by the Jedi. Well, okay. Well, you don't have to be trained by the Jedi to use the Force. Maybe Yoda probably wasn't trained by the Jedi. Broom Kid wasn't. He's a Maz Kanata. Remember Broom Kid? type person um do you remember broom yeah, kid i um i actually thought the prisoner do you remember was, uh, broom my kid least favorite episode broom kid <laughs> broom kid great for my favorite ooh, it might be a tie between chapter three the sin or chapter eight redemption 
I love chapter seven, the reckoning. And I love chapter one, the Mandalorian. Yeah. And I like chapter two, the child a lot as well. Uh, um, episodes with the uh, blacksmith Mandalorian chick. The, the, every time she was the on armorer. camera, she, she, that was so silly. That just all the, all the armory fucking like, well, I'm going to melt some steel and shit or whatever that best far. Uh, she does Beskar. that in chapter one, right? And, she and gets, uh, the Mandalorian gets one little Beskar steel coin. Too thing much and, and blacksmithing his... in the series. There's way too much I melting. I don't mind things. it. It felt, that's what made it feel very Deadwoody and also kind of a little kind of ancient, a little bit more ancient. Um, I like I like the steel armor, the Beskar steel armor. I love that he gets the shoulder pad in episode one. By episode three, he gets almost an entire full suit. Just his right leg, only his right leg doesn't have Beskar armor on it. And um, I I love the suit. I love how silver. I love he looks different than Boba Fett. I like how he has this kind of a completely different iconic look that's very similar yeah. that Boba Fett has become famous for. And Beskar made. is also money to them, but it's also what they wear, which is weird. It's yeah, it's as if you were like, yeah, if you were to be paid only in titanium or palladium <laughs> or gold and just wear it like, ah, I got gold all this gold. Would be a horrible armor me to wear. Gold suit. Well, yeah, gold would be terrible for armory, but <laughs> terrible. It's very flexible. Terrible armor. You could bite into it. Um, so, But yeah, I think redemption might be my favorite because I love the troopers at the beginning. I want to get into the troopers in a second. I love the troopers in the beginning, the scout troopers. Um, I, I love that that those jokes that they're doing, hitting the baby Yoda, missing the can at fucking like five feet in front of them. They that can't great, shoot a yeah. gun and hit, hit a fucking can. I love all these jokes and they shouldn't have landed, but they were. It's because Taika was handling it. Yeah. Taika Waititi was crushing it as the director for Redemption. It has the best ending of all of them. It has some of the most like best callbacks to like the earlier in the series. For instance, in episode eight, you have the E-Web that pins down our main characters of Grief Karga, uh, Din Darjin or whatever, the, the Mandalorian, and Cara Doom. And um, that same E-Web is what kind of pins down our characters IG-11 and the Mandalorian in episode <clears throat> one. Hmm. And they have to, like, get over it. Also, IG-11 in episode one dies by the Mandalorian's hand, but also dies for the baby Yoda, essentially, because the Mandalorian kills him for the baby Yoda. And IG-11 sets up his self-destruct. All of these points are hit in episode eight. The E-Web is brought back to, to hit our characters so hard that it fucking, you know, is going to kill him. It's the big threat. Then our Mandalorian gets the E-Web, in which it actually ends up blowing the Mandalorian up when Moff Gideon shoots uh, the ammo. And the Mandalorian is so fucked up, he thinks he's going to die. He's practically ready to die. So they brought back this gun and made it huge. It made it make sense. It made it have a point. Then also IG-11 brings up, he has to die for this child to live. He has to. And then he does the thing that he sets up in episode one. He finally self-destructs. I, I, episode eight is just full of all these connections that really ties the whole series together. It made this series better than it deserved to be in a lot of ways. Now, speaking of eight, Taika Waititi, like I said, I thought crushed it. Yeah. I thought he also crushed playing IG-11. I love this character. I love these droids. I love Richard Iode as Zero. I loved IG-11. I, I thought they did a great job with droids in this. And I thought Taika Waititi did a great job with the story and directing. We had some other directors. Deborah Chow, Rick Famuyiwa, and Dave Filoni. Mm -hmm. And Bryce Dallas Howard. Felk, did you have a favorite director? Did you like the directors? Not really. I didn't notice a director flair of any of them. Maybe Taika and the opening dialogue of episode eight. Yeah, I uh, 
I didn't really have a feel for it other than Taika. I Who's thought the directors did a good job of directing, I guess, with John Favreau's vision in the end. No, she's done, like, TV. I thought she was someone significant. No, and she's going to do the entire Obi-Wan series. Yeah. And I liked her, episode three and episode seven. Her two episodes were up there as my favorites. Her episodes weren't bad. I think everybody likes that she's a woman of color. Boom. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of episode eight, you had the bike scout troopers. They were played by Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally. Oh, really? They're the uh, the two comedians that are punching Baby Yoda and getting away with it because it's so funny because they get blasted away by IG-11. Probably voiced by them, though, not actually in the outfits. I think they probably put them in the outfits just for fun. Hmm. I think a lot of those people did. Daniel Craig was actually in the Stormtrooper outfit. And I'm pretty sure Key and Peele were both in the Stormtrooper outfits for Rise of Skywalker. Oh, really? I didn't even know they were in that. I think they're the the, the stormtroopers that um, Ray kind of does the mind trick to the Jedi mind trick to. Oh yeah. One one of them's is a little smaller and fatter than the other one. Hmm. I think it's Key and Peele. Oh, they are one is smaller and fatter. That's one of the things I did like about the show was the stormtroopers. We got back to stormtroopers. We had stormtroopers. We had death troopers from Rogue One. We had the trooper transport, which was a toy I fucking had as a kid, which didn't exist anywhere in a movie. I remember as a kid thinking, oh, this must be a scene I've never seen before. Because I just assumed, I guess, there was a version of a movie I'd never seen before with the troop transport. They fucking put that into episode seven. I fucking loved it. And these troopers, they weren't child soldiers yet. Yeah, no, they're, these the, are... They're the volunteers. Uh, construct, I, I think constricted or, or uh, probably drafted. Yeah, maybe. But they, these weren't soldiers. They were... They were. You know, now they're soldiers for hire because they don't know what to fucking do because there's no empire anymore. So they're just working well, yeah, for crime right. war They just fall stuff. under the, the rule of their local governors, as, as we've seen. Yeah. So... Oh, did you know, by the way, we were talking about directors a moment ago. Did you realize that the directors, Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, and Deborah Chow, played the Rebel pilots in the Prisoners episode? Uh, I did not know those, those who those people were. Yeah, those are the, so Trapper Wolf was Dave Filoni, Jib Dodger was Rick Famuyiwa, and Sash Ketter was Deborah Chow. Who would your Star Wars name be, Bellard? It probably would be like... I was I assuming it would be like Bay Lard or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Bay Lardo <laughs> or John Sex. What's happening? I could go with Topper Gold. That's kind of Star Warsy. Copper Gold's a great one. The Client was a horrible fucking name, I thought, for Werner Herzog's character. Oh, it was mysterious. I don't know why Werner Herzog was in this fucking show. Dude, he gets in there. He creepy hand touches the Beskar armor. when He's all like, this is the best thing ever. Isn't it great when it's made by its own kind? And he's all like, I would like to see the baby. And they're like, it's sleeping. He's like, we all will be quiet. Like, you're kind of, oh, it's so weird. It's, yeah, that was uh, that was unusual. Uh, he's just a weird choice <laughs> to be in Star Wars. He, I loved him though. I thought it was. I loved his weird. I thought his weird was what Star Wars needed. 
I liked the way he played it. I liked how he was talking about how he's like, look out the window. Does it seem like the rebellion did anything? Does it seem like death is gone? Well, one of the ideas is that um, I think this is canon that, uh, you know, Luke obviously has an American accent. The further he's a, he, he grew up on, on Tatooine, which is, of course, in the outer uh, rim of, of right. the galaxy. Uh, for all intents and purposes of the sent the per, the main you know hub of the galaxy's coruscant and that the british accent is basically the coruscantian accent so since that's where obi-wan grew up and in, in, in qui-gon they have kind of a british accent uh and the further you get away from uh coruscant you the more the less of a british accent you have uh, you have a, an american accent but of course now that we want diversity we have kind of a, a, a span like rogue one obviously uh uh what's his name has a uh a, a, a Spanish accent, uh, and uh, Gabriel and, and Luna or Calrissian. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> it can't be his last. It's like it's and, and, and so, something. It's something. Cassian Garrison. Andor. Cass, Cassian Andor. Oh yeah, the very memorable character of Cassian Andor. And of course Wait, now is thinks, that right? Is Cassian, yeah, Cassian Andor, Andor right? sounds right? But now Werner Herzog also introduces a hard German accents into the Star Wars galaxy as well. I don't know where where, where humans are getting German accents. Uh, but, uh, he doesn't, uh, he just sounds like Werner Herzog, but the bear is indifferent to, to his emotions. The bear only feeds when it is hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I did know he did. He had some, he had some Werner moments. I liked it. Um, I'm, one of my favorites was the, you libations. must never listen to this recording of baby Yoda. You must destroy yeah. it. Speaking of, of accents and stuff like that, I thought John Favreau was obvious as fuck as, uh, Paz Vizsla. He was the heavy armored Mandalorian. Okay, yeah. By the way, that guy was played by Tate or Tate, uh, I think it's Tate, Tate Fletcher, who was the uh, big bald headed muscle man from the very beginning of the first episode who's all like, You spilled my drink. Huh, okay. That's Tate Fletcher. So they put him on screen <laughs> as that bad guy to get killed by the Mandalorian, but then he got to play a heavy armored Mandalorian named Paz Vizsla. Paz Vizsla, of course, ties into naming conventions of Previsla. Previsla is uh John Favreau's character from the Clone Wars based on previsualization. <laughs> yeah, get it? Do you get it? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, Previsla is like the like you know great 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 grandson of Ter Vizsla and like or Tari Vizsla. Tari Vizsla had the fucking dark saber Starting and to he hate was Star a Wars. Jedi <laughs> that was also Mandalorian. And he died. The Jedi took his his dark lightsaber, the black dark lightsaber that's at the end of the whole series. Yeah. They took that and they put it on like a mantle in the fucking temple. But then it got stolen by Mandalorians. And then it was like passed down. And then Pre Vizsla got it. And the Pre Vizsla gave it to Darth Maul. Darth Maul gave it to Kanan Jarrus. Jarrus gave it to fucking Sabrine. Ren. Ren gave it to Pokatan. Where's this coming Bo-Katan from? Lost it and gave it to Moff Gideon. That's how we saw it at the end of this series. Did you know anything about the fucking dark saber? No, I just know I've I've heard of dark sabers. I, I didn't know there was a fucking story for for it. Felk, Rise of Skywalker, we're getting fucking gold sabers. Mandalorian, we're getting dark sabers. The entire saber book is open. By the way, I just read this. Star Killer base in Force Awakens <gasps> is built on the planet Ilum. <gasps> the planet Ilum is where you get your kyber crystal if you're a Jedi <gasps> for your lightsaber. <gasps> So they turned the core of that planet into a Kylo Ren fucking lightsaber. Oh, my God. 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 Oh, my God
Wars. We just talking about Baby Yoda and maybe wrap up. Not yet. We had so many troopers. We also had a Rebel Shock Trooper, Cara Dune, played by Gina Carano. Fuck, we haven't talked about Gina Carano at all. We talked about her three or four times at least. Oh, guess what? We're going to talk about her again. But not right now. Because right now, Felk. What is this? We're, we're going to talk about. <laughs> you're, you don't know, do you? You're making it up as you go along. It's Baby Yoda time. Goo Goo Gaga. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. Thing. Baby Yoda don't talk. He's a baby. He's a puppet. He's got to be CG sometimes. Okay, okay, this is okay. This is clear. This is clear. We can be really clear right here. This is from John Favreau himself about Baby Yoda. He's, He's mostly, mostly a puppet. A puppet. When, when it's CG, we try, we try to make, make him obey the same physical laws that he would if he were a puppet. I think a lot of times CG makes itself too obvious, where you don't create parameters creatively that allow the character to keep the same identity and charm. That's why Yoda's fucking flipping around all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Also, just so you know, what happened is Werner was on set, and he saw... John Favreau and Dave Filoni fucking around with the puppet of Yoda. And, the, and this is according to Werner. He says they were preparing to shoot a blank slate of the sequence as a backup in case they decided during post-production that the puppet wasn't convincing enough and a digital version had to be substituted. Herzog, known for films about pushing the limits of human ability and endurance, could not hide his contempt. You are cowards, he declared. Leave it. That's an, that, was an, that was an Arnold impersonation. There. Get, down. Get down. You are cowards. Shoot the baby Yoda. Do it. Do it. Come on. Kill me. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Kill me. So Werner um, apparently loved the puppet. Uh, this is according yeah, to Deborah Chow. She was directing episode three. She said, I was, I was directing, directing Werner with the puppet, and Werner, and Werner had just fallen in love with the puppet. Werner, I think, had forgotten it was actually a live creature and started sort of directing the baby. Werner is talking to the baby as if it was a real thing, and I'm trying to direct Werner. And I'm just like, how did I get here? How did my life end up like this? Well, guess what, Deborah Chow? It's going to get worse because you're doing the entire Obi-Wan series. Oh, yeah, well, there might not be a baby Yoda puppet there. Or Werner Herzog. That being said... Baby Yoda is an adorable fucking baby. It, it, it tricked a lot of fucking people. It it's also 15 baby, years though. old. That's that's okay. So let's let's just do some fun math. Hang on, your fun math is about to blow my mind because I don't understand how a 50 year old baby yeah. doesn't understand anything in life. Has had no life experiences in 50 years. Essentially, this baby Yoda is retarded. Maybe it is retarded, and that's that, that's the explanation. So when when they revealed that the baby was 50. I did some quick math because, as we recall, we're assuming that this is a a member of Yoda's species at the very least. Maybe it's actually a clone of Yoda. Maybe it's a time-traveling baby, actually Yoda. We don't really know, but we're assuming this is a Yoda species, and the fact that he's 50 and a baby is because Yoda lives a really long time. He's 900 years old-ish in Return of the Jedi. Uh, and he dies at the end of Return of the Jedi. Now, I always assumed that he was dying more or less of old age at age 900. So it too. was for simple math. Let's assume that he's 90 in human years, old enough to be very old and die of old age and be very wise. Well, then a 50 year, year old should be five, not a baby. Now, you're the one who knows about parenting. But don't kids talk when they're five? Aren't they like toddlers yes. and ambular and yes. shit? 
Yeah, this baby is it has some serious issues. It probably had some massive abuse as a child. It it, it it likely that it was hit on the head physically, or it's massively autistic and has decided not to speak yet. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Jerry Seinfeld said something like he he chose not to to talk until he was five, and his first words were like, "No." But the proportions aren't right. He's clearly proportioned as though he's a baby. I guess he can walk on his own, kind of. But it really should be toddler Yoda, not baby. He's Yoda. also eating without choking. And babies can't do that, right? He just eats a frog. Well, it's a gamble, right? Like that's that's a huge gamble with like with babies when you're getting them into like solid foods. It's like, yeah, you don't want them choking. But this fucking Yoda baby swallowing frogs. Yeah. Whole. Yeah. So he's got teeth. He's got clear yeah, he teeth. Yeah, definitely has teeth. He's also, Felk. I posted the question to you. Is this Yoda baby evil? Why, why, where's that coming from? This is um, one of your Ballard theories? N yes, it's absolutely one of my Ballard theories. So, Felt, watching this show, Baby Yoda tries to save the Mandalorian by killing the Mudhorn or stopping the Mudhorn so the Mandalorian can kill the Mudhorn yeah. in episode two. But later, we see the baby going out of its way to eat living creatures. Kills a frog in episode, I think, two on uh of, of arvala seven whatever quill quills home eh, i don't think that that's that's evil living living creatures right just for fun it's we don't know what's in that stew that that yoda was making on tatooine he probably killed an animal and put it in the stew he oh well but killed it before he ate it though he didn't just you fucking like eat living creatures well, that's anyway, just because the baby's stupid and doesn't know chapter four the baby's eating the frogs right yeah maybe because the baby's stupid at 50 yeah. right and 50 years of life experiences the baby's stupid right all this shit so i wondered like what's going on this baby seems a little weird well then we get to episode seven chapter seven the reckoning and the baby sees our character cara dune arm wrestling yeah our Mandalorian and decides to choke her because it's Again, hurting he, the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, he's protecting her. Right? But it's a little <clears throat> bit much. Then later in that same episode, he's trying to crash the fucking spaceship. And it's going out of control because the, the Mandalorian and, and Cara Dune are about to maybe have sexy sex and start fucking in the bottom of the fucking spaceship. But no, the baby starts playing with the controls and fucks everything up. Right? Yeah, these are all just, he's a baby. The baby is, well, maybe. Do you actually think that they're setting up that he's evil? I think there may be some setup that the baby's evil. There was another point too. Oh God, I'm drawing a blank. But there's another point in the final episode where the baby does something. And you're like, is this fucking baby evil? No, I don't think that they're, that, that that is set up. I think he's just being mischievous because he's a baby. He's Macaulay Culkin. He's just yeah. Dennis the Menace. He's just flipping switches. It's fun. I want to see this baby later with a fucking slingshot in its back pocket and it's wearing overalls and it's all, hey, Mr. Mando. It, it would be incredibly stupid if for some reason the plot twist was that the baby uh, Yoda is evil. But then I guess that kind of was the plot twist with Rey was that she was actually had evil in her more than good because she was uh, Palpatine. So I, I, who knows in this in this wackadoo world of Star Wars that, that, that Kathleen Kennedy has given us. Son of a bitch, I, I, I wrote this down for a reason because there was a note I, I had to have had at some point about Baby Yoda being evil and it upsets me right now that I cannot remember this, the final thing I had that was like, because there's another thing he does and I'm like, oh my God, is he evil? He does heal uh, Carl Weathers. Yeah, he, he did a nice thing there, I guess. Maybe not, maybe not Baby Yoda is evil. Well, fine. So what do you think Baby Yoda is, Ballard? Do you think he's do you think he's just a member of 
Yoda species, and that is significant enough that everybody wants him? Do you think he's actually a clone of Yoda? And that's why he's even more significant, because we know there was Yaddle in, in uh, episode one. We know there's other members of Yoda species, plus that fucked up pink one at the end of episode one that may or may not be a member of Yoda species. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of different, like, uh, Yoda species in the expanded universe. No one, no one ever looked too. at Yoda and was like, oh, holy shit, it's one of those things. It is like, he just walked around cities and nobody gave a shit about him. So... John Favreau has said that he knows the name of this creature. He hates calling it Baby Yoda. He hates people call it Baby Yoda. He can't stand it. Even Bob Iger called it Baby Yoda in a phone call. And John Favreau, like, you know, cussed him out. And he's like, Bob, don't you fucking call it Baby Yoda. He's got a name. Here's the name, Bob. And then Bob was like, okay, I won't say the name. So there's some people that know. Sorry, name, Mr. Favreau. Like, please don't get mad at me. Here's the thing. They're creating this stupid fucking MacGuffin for no reason. This, like, What's the name of this baby? But it's he's like, so I, cute. I don't give a shit what the name of this baby is. First of all, does the baby have parents that mattered enough to give it a name? And on top of that, is its name going to come from the Mandalorian? Does the baby remember its name? Is it going to be going out of nowhere from all of this fucking like baby vocaline? Like, goo goo gaga, goo goo gaga. My name is Yoda. Goo goo gaga. It's not going to happen. I'm Ray Star Wars. Uh, the official, the uh, the Funko Pop is being merchandised as Funko Pop Star Wars, the child, parenthetical, Baby Yoda. Yeah, so it's referred to as the child, and it's not supposed to be referred to as Baby Yoda. I guess they're doing that because they have to, because the reality is people call it Baby Yoda now, because you never gave it a fucking name. The Funko Pop you've been waiting for even before you knew of the child's existence. From the Mandalorian comes a figure of quote-unquote Baby Yoda, a.k.a. the child, ready to melt the heart of even the coldest bounty hunter. <laughs> Available in September. You can buy it now. You can, you, can pay, you can give Disney money, though, for it now. Wow. Or Funko Pop, and, and then they give Disney money. Nice. Well, we should round this out, so... Uh, speaking of the last few things to discuss, uh, we could discuss the weaponry so and yeah. the... Funko Pop. I saw, I've seen it before. I know. I've, I've looked at it. It's cute. So let's discuss a couple of things. The weaponry. Now, we have the Ambin Pulse Sniper Rifle. It's a disruptor sniper rifle that they use in this. It was something that was showcased in the holiday special. It's something they use in the show on Jawas to disintegrate them. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit in our mini spoiler cast. What do you think of the disruptor? It's fine. I loved it. What do you think of the whistling birds? The whistling birds. I, I when, when do they even use those? I, I remember them being set up, but I don't remember them using them. He uses them in episode three, and it's it's something that the armorer says to him. She's like, "These are super rare. Don't fucking use these unless you have to." And then, like the first instance he has to use them, he's like, "Boop, use them." No. Yeah. It was it was absolutely Chekhov's gun. It was like, "Here's something not to use." I bet this gets used soon. I thought and that, that was episode the was kind of stupid when 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 all the fucking when all the Boba Fett's showed up, like you know. I loved that. Hey, we're all Boba Fett's here. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. But it killed them. It ended up killing them all. It was a Spider-Man reference. I like that there was a repercussion to that. Yeah, they'd all die off screen. Yeah, but that's cool. It's a nice reveal. Like you didn't need to see that happen. Like it was nice to kind of just be like, oh fuck, that event. That our Mandalorian did that we were all, you know, hoorahing behind when we were watching it ended up killing all these fucking people off. And it, it makes sense because when you leave that planet Navarro at the end of episode three, 
Grief Karga is fucking on the ground. He's got like some Beskar steel that saved his life uh, from the shot that the Mandalorian did to him. And like, you know, the, all of the Mandalorian bounty hunters are just shooting up the town in Navarro. And when we leave it, that's all that's going on. But then later when Zero, the droid is, is uh, working the Razor Crest, he gets his like Grief Karga message. And you're like, oh, what is that? And then by seven, that's, you know, the beginning. That's how it starts is the grief cargo message gets all the way out to the Mandalorian. He gets a clean. Yeah, he's like, I, I, this is not obviously a trap. Would you come to my trap? Please? Yeah, it's clear. So not a trap. Wink, wink. It's a trap. You sell stuff. It's all bullshit. All of it. Carl Weathers looks so fucking weird as a little uh, hologram, blue hologram too. Just... I love the holograms in this. And I love that the uh, Moff Gideon one was slightly in color. Mando, come, come to my trap. It was like really weird. It was like he, cro he crossed his arms. <laughs> it did feel like it was a trap. What happened to you, Dylan? You used to be somebody I could trust. I woke up. Why don't you? You're an asset. An expendable asset. And I used you to get the job done. Got it? You fixed this all real good, didn't you? My friend. Stop! I've done all I can. I'm sorry I couldn't do better, but I got my own problems. Yeah. You're a real hero. Oh, and the final thing about, uh, I guess we could talk about, about armor-wise, um, the Mandalorian. The jetpack that happens in episode eight. Yeah, he finally got his jetpack. Because he gets it, you know, he, he has that moment as a kid when he's saved by the Brendan Wayne version of the Mandalorian soldier. Yeah. Who like flies away with you know with with Din Darjin and like by the end of that episode we get the jetpack and then he uses it to fucking fight Moff Gideon on yeah. the Tie Fighter and I if jetpacks awesome. were and and jetpacks as far as this show I guess real thinks is like really unique and in something you know only Boba Fett had except Rise of Skywalker just gives it to random ass First Order troopers oh they fly now well that's they fly now. They fly now. They fly now. It's three times. You guys said three times. Yeah. Well, I think if you you also have to count, I think BB-8 and also Chewbacca. I think they're they're counted as saying they fly now as well. Did they talk, say them? Yeah, because BB-8 beeps first. No, oh, really. Then Chewbacca roars, uh, and then it's like C-3PO goes, "They fly, yeah, now. They fly now," and then it's like Finn or or Poe saying, "They fly now." And then the final thing they added to the Mando's uh, armor that I have to mention is the signet that he got from the armorer is the mudhorn. Oh, is that what it was? I thought it was like a little thing. It was like a, it was like a claw, like a like a Yoda claw. No, it was a mudhorn because that's where he decided to fight another creature with the help of his enemy, mm. and then he ended up saving his enemy from certain doom which was episode three so it was all because of the mud horn this was all happened and so he got the mud horn as his signet and i thought that was awesome because as we discussed in our mini spoiler cast mud horns are practically the visualization of what a real unicorn looked like which were the siberian unicorns something we discussed in that episode yeah i remember talking about that wiping down your camera. my screen i just spit wine all over it oh. <laughs> well, all right um, do, do we want to rank all the episodes in season one? <laughs> we have some questions, I guess we can do it first. But um, well, now that we've pretty much wrapped up this whole show, Felk. Yeah. Moving forward, I want to discuss a couple things. One, 
John Favreau has come out and said that the show characters will cross over to the big screen at some point. Okay. And that the show is not something of the way of essentially, I guess, Marvel Netflix, right? Yeah, I like, Perlmutter said the same thing, though. I mean, it was like, oh, you know, this is going to... Perlmutter never said anything. He doesn't do interviews. Okay, well... So nice I, try. Maybe Jed Whedon <laughs> was like, oh, yeah, these characters will t- could totally make it into the movies. Yeah, yeah. You'll see Quake for sure in the next <laughs> Avengers film. We don't need your Quake. No, we, sorry, we don't need her. Yeah. So that being said... We have the additional characters are going to show up maybe in Star Wars somewhere else, somewhere down the line after Rise of Skywalker's air now and been released. What character from this show do you think is likely to be in a film? None of them. Maybe Baby Yoda somehow. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guessing maybe Baby Yoda or maybe Moff Gideon. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. There's a backstory with Moth Gideon, so maybe he'll show up on another property. I feel like the Mandalorian doesn't make sense to have in a movie because we have a whole show for him already. Sure. You know, so I feel like Moth Gideon is probably the best bet, but I could see Baby Yoda being a movie about Baby Yoda at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's that large of a character. Once we find out his name and it's Yubnub or something like that, and he's, we'll have the adventures of Yubnub. What was your favorite character or least favorite character in the show? Uh, the guy from The Prisoner probably was the one who stood out the most. And Amy Sedaris' character stood out. Yeah, you know, Gunslinger, Gunslinger. Yeah, I got Gunslinger. Yeah, the Gunslinger. Okay, the Gunslinger is the, uh, okay, Jake Cannavale's Toro uh, fucking Calican. Calican. Yeah, that, that, that one stood out to me as like this episode and this character sucks. He's your least favorite. And your favorite was who? Uh, fuck it, Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, really? Child. Wow. Okay. So I would have to say, yeah, my least favorite was absolutely Jake Cannavale, Toro Calican. Um, I did not like him at all. At all. There was nothing there. I mean, even Bill Burr at times felt like, okay, you're just playing angry Bill Burr. I still didn't mind it. Like, he seemed like he was there to play. Jake Cannavale, I don't know what you're doing. And by the way, Jake Cannavale, bite the hand that feeds you. He went out and just like trashed the Rise of Skywalker really? on his social media. The vitriol that he spit like was ridiculous to the point where I'm like, dude, you're never going to get hired again by Disney with this type of shit. He said the people that were on camera, whose faces were on screen, who were major players in the film should be embarrassed to be in that movie. He was like cussing at the film. It, it's weird. It's weird. I don't care for I don't care for him much. Nope. Um, and then my favorite character, I, I want to say the Mandalorian, but he's played by like four different people. Pedro Pascal, yeah. Brendan Wayne, Latif fucking Crowder. He's kind of a blank slate at this point. Baby Yoda is a puppet and a CGI creation. Doesn't mean he's not a character. I, I might honestly have to go with Nick Nolte's Quill. Well, I guess that was an interesting character, too. I liked it. And it was sad to me when he died. I didn't really get what his whole motivation Seems like he'd be like, yeah, fuck off, Mandalorian. I don't like, I don't have any connection to this shit. He's such a Western character. He is, He's the yeah. old cowboy gunslinger that used to do shit, decided to stop doing it, gets dragged back into it because he loves it. Uh, we have three more uh, final tidbits here. Oh, okay. All right. I guess I was. I guess, and that's that for me on that topic, I guess. You have Hang more on. to say about uh, Dick Nolte's? Ugnot character? 
Yes, actually, I do have something to say, Felk, about Nick Nolte's Ugnaught character, and it brings us to tonight's Who Is Your Fuck Me okay. from this show. <gasps> <gasps> Now, Felk. Yeah. Who are the fuck me's in this show? Not a whole fucking lot, man. <gasps> really? So let's think about it. There's Gina Carano's Cara Dune. Yeah. Right? Super amazing. Right? There's also the character from the Sanctuary episode, Omera, right? The one that wants to bang the Mandalorian but doesn't bang the Mandalorian. Yeah. Played by Julia Jones. Yeah. There's the Twi'lek from fucking uh, the Prisoner episode, played by Natalia Tina. Or Felk. Or Felk. Amy Sedaris. Also, there's also Amy Sedaris. You're correct. There's Amy Sedaris. Or there's the actress that plays... Oh, Quill the Ugnaught. Her name is Misty Rosa. Felk. If you look in the doc, I'm posting you photos of this <laughs> Misty Rosa. Under, is it under Fuck Me from the show? Where, where is it coming? It's under Fuck Me. Interesting. <laughs> ah, that's weird looking. Is she a little so, person? Yeah, she's uh, almost a little person. She's one of those little people that's not a full little person. They're a little bigger. Well, I kind of want, I need to see her up against something for scale. There's no, the, 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 She's up against a poster, so there's no real scale in the shot. No she is, scale. Uh, you need very scale, strong he thigh muscles. He Felk says he wants scale. Let's give the man some scale. Oh, I don't know who that is. A, a regular sized man of some kind. She's <laughs> okay. not that small. He's an Akini and she's an Elwin. She's definitely small. Uh, she has very, very, very muscular thighs. Oh yeah, she's a bodybuilder of some sort. Clearly, right? Interesting. And a singer, I guess. Very weird looking. Uh, I would fuck Gina Carano over her, though. What? Really? You always talk about in all past Cool Boy episodes about how you just want to fuck really like hard women. Yeah, but not midgets. You know, I don't really like midgets. They're, they're too wild. There's something off about them. You don't like midgets? Well, it's not that I don't like them. I just wouldn't want to fuck one. That's disgusting. So not a bodybuilder one. It's especially weird. She's ridiculously not hot. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gina Carano for me, hands down every day. She's absolutely my fuck me yeah. from this show. No question. So, Felt, who was the spurred man on Tatooine? I have no idea what that question means. Who is? The, the, what is Wait, you're way too far from your mic. I can't hear you. Uh, who is the spurred man? Spurred man on... Uh, yeah, who was the spurred man on Tatooine? So... Obviously, at the end of episode five, there was for no reason they showed us that there was some fucking random dude that was like walking up to Fennec Shan, Ming-Na Wen's body. Hmm. And they don't ever answer who that is. I And I was curious what you th what you thought that was. I assume I that that was maybe Moff Gideon. But I, I wonder if that was potentially uh, Boba Fett. It was Tatooine. Did you see it in the distance? Like you can't make it out. The guy? Yeah, I, I don't remember. Oh the no, scene. no, he walks right up to her body. Huh. So I mean, like it's clear as day, like it's somebody, like there to like deal with the the body of Fennec Shand, oh. and like he's and he's checking it out. It's I don't understand who that is. They have spurs now. Here's the thing, Boba Fett had spurs. Ah. So 
Is it possible? He did. That it's Boba Fett. Boba Fett Spurs. Yeah, Spurs. Looking at his Spurs. Interesting. I guess for kicking the animals he rode? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, kicking the myth. I did not notice this, uh, so I, I, I can't comment. But maybe that was a Boba Fett Easter egg. I, I figure. I really thought there'd be some Boba Fett reference in this fucking show. So just to be clear, what, if you go to the episode The Gunslinger, the very end of the episode after the Mandalorian has just left Tatooine, he's flying away. Yeah. Uh, it cuts all of a sudden into Fennec Shan's body, and you see a, a person walk up with spurs and a cape, and that's that. And the assumption is, I guess, that that was the bad person at, that we we're going to see by the end of the series that would have been Moff Gideon. However, Moff Gideon doesn't seem to have spurs, at least anything I notice on my multiple viewings of the episode. And Boba Fett did have spurs. So that's the assumption, right? That could be Boba Fett. We talked about this when we did our mini spoiler cast. What was the likelihood of Boba Fett showing up in this season? I said probably by the season finale. Well, I, I think it's undetermined if Boba Fett showed up in the season at all at this point. But I definitely was not correct um, I, I, by any obvious standard. There was no, like, Boba Fett's here moment. No. I, I'm reading a screen – well, I'm looking at a Screen Rant article that that, that is – their uh, – it's not confirmation, but their argument as to why that's also – yeah, that is, that is them setting up Boba Fett uh, as well. I didn't even notice this, but obviously people did. And maybe that was their way of introducing Boba Fett. As far as we know, he's still dead in the Psylocke pit. Yeah, well, we'll see. All righty. So are you watching season two? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You are. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I still have Disney+, Plus, which is an F, uh, Lion King just came to Disney+, Plus today. Garbage movie, horrible movie. The uh, live-action quote-unquote live-action, not-at-all-live-action remake. That's a photorealistic remake of it. And, of course, uh, I think last Sunday, Disney announced that they are doing Bambi next. In the same yes, they're doing Bambi. And Bambi, they said they are not going to make it more epic than it needs to be. But, by the way, just so you're clear, Bambi is a movie that ha is very superficial. Is it? Because it's Bambi's There's cute. a lot of music. There's a lot of rain, 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 like moments and like, ooh, the snow's coming and the fire time. It's the wildfire through the forests. And, and, then, and then there's the Twitter bug. And there's a whole moment where the characters are being chased by members of the opposite sex or, or people that they love with flower. Maybe he's a girl. Oh, yeah. There's that whole thing where, ba yeah, yeah. Bambi has to fuck. I remember that now. Yeah. I don't remember Bambi at all, man. He has to fight. He has to fight for the love of Charlene or whatever her name is. <laughs> yeah. Wonder. Who, I wonder who'll be Thumper. Thumper. Oh my God! Please make it Zac Efron. I mean, I guess it's Jordan Peele. <gasps> Ooh, do it. Well, I. I'm definitely watching season two. I will have uh, Disney Plus when it comes around for sure. And I will be watching season two because I'm also going to be reviewing all of the Marvel shows for us as well. If Felk will not have Disney Plus. Felk, you're not going to see season two and it's going to be released like later this year or some shit. Yeah, like it's that. fall. It's, it's fall of 2020. It's, that's very soon for a streaming service. 
I so, mean, I mean, they're going to turn this around. You're definitely going to want to keep your, your, your fucking Disney Plus. I am for sure seeing season two just, of The Mandalorian. Between now and, I guess, Loki's the first one. I thought Loki was the first uh, Marvel show. Is it, is it for sure Winter Soldier? Fuck, we did a whole episode on this. Okay, so I, I, I believe you. It's, it's, it's Captain, it's Winter Soldier and the Falcon is the first one. Um, and that's in probably May. I don't know what I watched between now and May on it. What, well, what is there to watch? The Lion King on repeat. I know. <laughs> I, we, watched, we watched Gargoyles. I, I, I kind of want to watch Aladdin with Will Smith just to see it. It's a lot better than The Lion King. Okay. Um, I, okay, I will say that I am excited for season two of The Mandalorian. Um, for me, The Mandalorian was a show about redemption and carving out your own slice of the galaxy using, as we mentioned earlier, the shitty toys that you didn't care about, like the shitty characters, the shitty aliens, Ugnots, fucking, you know, all these things that like you didn't give a shit about. They're getting their own redemption story. Everybody had a redemption story. Everybody did something bad, left that way of living and, and then redeemed themselves and returned to it in some form or fashion for the better good. Cara Doom was a rebel shock trooper who left because she didn't want to deal with it anymore. And then, like, came back to fighting this Imperial, you know, fucking squad on Navarro. The Mandalorian literally gave over Baby Yoda and then fought it back in the Sin Chapter 3. Wanted Yoda back. The Ugnaught was used to be bad, and now he's good. Uh, IG-11 was destroyed for being a bad bounty hunter who was going to kill a baby and then became a fucking nursery droid. Everyone in this show is about... Redemption, Grief Karga, yeah, he, the bad guy. He was our, he was our, he was our, you know, redemption. twisty villain, and then came back and did it all, yeah. and like saved the day because of him. And I think the show would have only been better with honestly if it was a six episode show or a nine episode show. I feel like they either needed one extra series episode when they were doing the Tatooine episode and they were doing the Space Prisoner episode. They needed one more episode like that. Or they needed to get rid of those two episodes. And for me, then the show would have been perfect. I think we've gotten through everything. Good. Do you have anything else you want to say about Baby Yoda? Uh, I think Baby Yoda is like perfect uh, harmony of uh, using the you know pre-existing Star Wars concepts to create a perfect new piece of merchandising. Everybody sees Baby Yoda. They're like, I want to fucking buy a plush Baby Yoda. They want to buy it so badly. Mm-hmm. It's true. And now they can. I'm sure they can. Disney opened a theme park for Star Wars that's basically just a really expensive mall where you can buy shit. And now they just created a little fucking stuffed animal thing because you know what? Your kids already got porgs. They already got I porgs. Know, fuck that. I needed baby Yoda. Now you to need buy a baby now. Yoda for them. I need baby Yoda. I don't have one. Yeah, it's brilliant marketing. Just when they saturated the porg market, they got they came up <laughs> baby with baby Yoda time. They baby Yoda. Well, they have nothing. Yeah, they can't use those tentacle creatures from fucking the Rise of Skywalker. They weren't a good idea. And nobody wants a plush Darth Maul. <laughs> Dude, if they had a whole bunch of those vibrating, dancing, fucking Lin-Manuel tentacle creatures, ki- kids would be getting off on them. God. <laughs> I right. mean, that's what they did with the fucking uh, uh, the, uh, Harry Potter uh, vibrating broomsticks. Kids were riding the fuck out of those, and girls were getting off on them. Oh, God. I didn't know that. All right, you know. didn't know that? No, I had no idea there was ever a vibrating. Why would they build a vibrating broomstick? Are they insane? Because it's supposed to vibrate like you're flying, and the kids were getting off on them, and they were like, we have to get rid of these toys. The brooms don't even vibrate when they fly. They just lift up. 
Well, <laughs> apparently they needed the vibration. Anyways, it's gone now. It's gone Good. Valor, <laughs> can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared universe? No, Felk. No? Well, fuck you then. Gee, that's, what? That's harsh language. Because I was going to tell you a cool story about the battle between good and evil in a galaxy far, far away. You see, the story is about the battle between, like, <laughs> me do that? Good and evil in a galaxy far, far away. Led by the evil overlord and the dark witch, an ominous shadow has swept across the universe, destroying countless planets in its wake. The Glatorian system... <laughs> <laughs> one of the last remaining independent realms may yet fall. This is the opening crawl, right? May yet I fall guess. for the evil overlords. Shyster minions have discovered a legal loophole. Whomever the princess hubba hubba weds will be the de facto heir to the Clatorian system. Oh, is this Spaceballs? No, it's not. With this information brought to light, the princess... What is this from? <laughs> it is from a movie. Okay, you are catching on. This is from some movie. With this information brought to light, the princess has fled the star system, joining a ragtag underground of interplanetary eco-warriors who attempt to align the planets. In the struggle between good and evil, the hopes... Oh, is this uh, the, the fucking M Mila Kunis uh, Wachowski sisters? No, uh, this is not Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending? What is this then? In the struggle between good and evil, the hopes of billions rest on the shoulders of a few. In space, no one can hear you cream. But now, no, I won't tell you this story about battle between good and evil in a galaxy far, far away. I have spoken. You have? Oh, I wanted to hear it. I never found out what it was. It's from the movie Space Nuts. It's from 2003. It's a parody from Star Wars. Jesus, I've never heard of this. It's terrible. Do you want to know who's in Space Nuts? Stormy Daniels. She has caused so many problems for our country. I don't know if you know this, but if you're a whore, you're a professional prostitute. The job is to get paid and shut the fuck up about it. Felk, guess who else is in this? Kaylani Lay, Jessica Drake, Katie Morgan from HBO. Randy Spears, Kyle Stone. Is it but, porn? Oh. These are all porn stars. Yeah, but wait, what's this next name? Evan Stone. Oh, so this is porn. Oh, yeah. Amber Rain, Holly Stevens, they're all in it. Oh, rest in peace. Amber yeah, Rain. this is a 2003 porno. Amber Rain's dead. Space Nuts from Wicked Pictures. She uh, died of drugs. Who died? Amber Rain. Oh, well, Amber Rain was in this. Yeah, well, she's dead now. Did she do drugs on the five while going 85 no. off a fucking male prostitute? No, she did. Dick? She did drugs at a friend's house in Chatsworth <laughs> and died from them. Um, did she really? <laughs> cool boy nation. Did she really die of drugs? They all die in Chatsworth. Nation, tell us what you thought about the first season of The Mandalorian and how many times you squeezed one off to boys by emailing us at thecoolboyspodcast at gmail.com. 
New episodes come out every week, but usually on Tuesdays. Be sure to click that bell, swipe up, DM, like, and subscribe to the cool boys, and then review us on Grinder to fuck butts. Yes. Please check out our, please check out our other great cool boy central content. But we ain't gonna tell you what it is, bitch. <laughs> Go and find it yourself, honey. <laughs> we got no time for shenanigans, so paint those cocks and prep those docks. It's time for Uncle Felk to fuck all you boys up. Got a dick so big and can reach the heavens, as Manoli <laughs> likes to say. Typed. <laughs> this is what Noli likes to type. <laughs> Sucked. He's typing on his uh, his Apple Watch. Yeah. Thanks, Santa. Sucked. <laughs> Cox. Fuck. Baywatch. They Thank do. you for listening. Stay cool, cool boy nation. Until next time, it's Bizies from Phoenix and Felk. And that's Bizies from Berg Ballard. I have spoken. This is the way. I like those blurgs. They're like piranha horses. I like those birds, played by Clancy Brown. You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. This episode of the Cool Boys Podcast was brought to you by... Felk, I want you to click on this Pornhub link I have in the document. Is it already? It's for a- The Mandalorian, episode one of season one. I want you to see this. <laughs> Kudos to this guy. There is a lot of good Star Wars porn. Um, Cleo uh, Valentine does is like one of the, the Twi'leks that's like with the t- the red Twi'leks with the tattoos, I think. I think it's supposed to be canonically tattoos because so are Darth Maul's. It, but she has the Twi'lek hair. But she, there's also another uh, one with uh, Misha Cross. And, and I think Cleo Valentine plays a different Twi'lek. Some good, that was Star Wars Underground. There's some good shit. I mean, Star Wars is probably the most parody. I, I, I got to stop watching this guy jack off. Um, <laughs> you were watching that the whole time. Yeah, I set it up. <laughs> Uh, so what you you click, have me click on those uh, Pornhub link for that that said Mandalorian season one episode one, uh, Pornhub doesn't really do that kind of shit. Uh, they, they they will take down stuff really fast, unlike other porn sites, which will. What was the movie that was spoiled for you, Infinity War? Yeah, that was on Spank Bang. And Spank Bang, by the way, like not that long ago, it, it, on its front page, it was a DVD looking quality 480p, but definitely not a cam of 1917. I was like, "Fuck, really? I could just I could just watch that <laughs> and uh, not have to go to the theater before next Tuesday." Yeah, get some cool boys. <laughs> <laughs> So serious. I don't like it. No. I don't want you. No. I don't believe you anymore. Oh, good for you. I don't trust you. I don't love you. I don't want you. I'm going to fucking kick your fucking ass. You don't shut up for a second, all right? Oh, you're all angry now.